Confused by finances, investing, estate and retirement planning? Well, we went to school so you don't have to. Welcome to Finances and with Kathy and Norma. Welcome to Finances and Mortgages. We went to school so you don't have to. I'm Norma and I'm here with Kathy. Today we wanted to talk about the types of mortgages, refinancing your mortgage, and when you should be doing either of those. A mortgage is a loan that you take out when you're going to buy a house. That simple. If you go online and you do a search for mortgage, what can I afford? I I challenge you to do that right now. You're going to get a simple calculator that basically only asks you what your income is, what your monthly debt is, and how much you have for a down payment, and also what mortgage rate you're looking at, which we're going to go into a little more detail in a bit. In my mind, there's so much more missing. For example, do you have an emergency fund set up or is this going to leave you broke? Do you just have your down payment saved up? Also, what are the current owners of the house that you might be looking at? What are they spending on utilities? So your personal monthly debt that you have right now is not taking into consideration the expenses that you're going to have on a house that you might be looking at or how old are the appliances that are in that home? You know, are you going to have to buy new appliances in order to get pre-approved for a mortgage or even or fully approved? The bank only cares if you have enough money to pay them, whether you have light or heat is your problem. There are other things that you need to think about, you know, lawn maintenance or maybe a lawnmower purchase. Like I just said, utilities. Yours is going to be a little different because you're going to have, you know, different type of usage, but at least you'll have something to work with. Is this change going to change your commuting time? Is it going to be more? So you have to factor in more gas, more maintenance on your car. Are you moving to another state? If that's the case, then you need to factor in other types of debt, such as personal property taxes that you might not currently have. I know when I moved from New Jersey to Connecticut, I was there for some time and I got a bill. Well, I mean, there are a couple of extra bills, which is why I'm not there now. So there was the water and the sewer. So they charge you for the water that comes in and they charge you for giving it back. There's two different bills for this. They don't have this in at least not where I lived in New Jersey personal property taxes. I owned my home, which basically meant I paid taxes for my driveway, technically, but they also charged me taxes for having a car in the state of Connecticut every single year. And again, this isn't something I knew when I was leaving New Jersey that I was going to have all these extra expenses. And it's certainly not something that was asked of me in one of these calculators. You know, it's funny because in Virginia, we have all four of those things that you just named. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's not unusual because it's just what I experienced. Exactly what you're saying. Yeah. uh, I mean, you don't know what you don't know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And like I said, these calculators aren't asking you that. In order to really be able to calculate how much house you can afford, a good rule of thumb is this 2836 rule, which basically says you shouldn't spend more than 20% of your gross monthly income on home-related costs and 36% on total debts, including your mortgages. So again, you're not going to know without asking lots of questions of your realtor what expenses there could possibly be so that you could really figure out if you're going to fall in within that 28 or even that 36%. Just like she was saying, your monthly income is much more important to them than assets you have. You might have, I don't know, a million dollars in stock. If it's they're, they're looking at how much you have as a monthly income, which relates directly to your credit score. If you have a low credit score, you have a high chance of not getting a loan at all, or you're going to just pay more in interest because you're a risk to people. 
interest rates. That's going to be one of the biggest things that you're going to be considering when you're buying a home because your home purchase amount is going to be a very large amount. And so the interest you pay on that is going to be a lot. You're paying the interest for the money that you are borrowing for you from the bank for your house. You can have typically three different types of loans. One could be a 30-year loan, a 15-year loan, or an ARM. And I'll explain a little bit more about an ARM in a minute. The monthly payments that you're going to pay as part of your mortgage will also typically include one-twelfth of the property taxes that Norma was talking about and homeowner's insurance. Your mortgage will be, let's say it's $1,000. You're going to also be paying the one-twelfth of the property tax that you'll owe your county or state and the homeowner's insurance that it costs to insure your home. If you do not put down a deposit of more than 20% of the price of the home, you're also going to be paying each month something called PMI, which is your property mortgage insurance. And the bank is going to require you to have that so that if you default on your loan for some reason, you don't pay your loan, they're going to still get their money because you've been insuring yourself against yourself. So if you can put down 20%, they won't expect you to have to pay the PMI. What is 20% though? That means if you're choosing to buy a $300,000 home, you're going to have to put $75,000 down to avoid that monthly charge of PMI. The other thing about the interest rate, you can buy down your interest rate. So you can pay more money up front and get a lower interest rate. So what does that mean for you? If you have a $250,000 loan for 30 years, your interest rate at four and a quarter percent, your monthly payment would be 1,230-ish dollars. You could buy it down to 4%. So instead of four and a quarter, you're paying 4%. Then your monthly payments would be about $1,200, which saves you about $436 a year, which is great because if you're going to own your home for a long time, you'll see that $436 savings year after year. But if you don't plan on living there very long, let's say you're only going to live there a couple of years and you buy down on your interest rate so you get a lower interest rate, then you might have paid $5,000 to buy down and you're only getting a $436 money back each year. So it's going to take you a while to be able to recoup that buy down amount. And the numbers that I just gave you still did not include the one twelfth that you're going to owe on your PMI, your homeowners association, and your property tax as well. Those arms are called an adjustable mortgage rate. So unlike the 30-year or the 15-year where they give you a rate and that's what you pay for that full term, the adjustable mortgage rate will often be sort of like a teaser offer where they'll say, oh, you can pay this lower rate for seven years, but after seven years, it's going to adjust and it's going to be whatever the prime interest rate is plus some other number that you're agreeing to. So your interest rate might be low for a certain number of years, five or seven. It could be three as well, but five and seven seem like sort of the average. And then your interest rate is going to go up, well, could go up based on what the prime interest is doing at that time. That's a little bit of a game. If you know that you're buying a house and you're not going to stay in it, it might be worth it to have that arm at the lower interest rate. But if you are buying your forever home, there's a little bit of a danger in that you can't say what the interest rate will be after that term expires, that five to seven year term expires. There are different types of mortgages. And the one that's the most popular is a conventional fixed rate loan. The reason for this is because you know exactly what you're going to be paying 
for principal and interest throughout the life of the loan. And you know what your term is. It might be 10, 15, 20, 30. 30 is really the most common. The only thing that'll really change when you're making these payments would be either your you know, your real estate or your homeowner's insurance. So that amount that goes towards escrow, the other amount is a fixed amount. There's another type, which is an interest only, which basically gives you the option during the first five or 10 years to only pay the interest part of it instead of the full payment. This is good in time of a pinch, but after that, you're going to be paying in full like a conventional mortgage. You also have your adjustable rate mortgage or arm that Kathy just went into. And then you've got your certain groups. Your FHA loan is a different type of mortgage. And this is a mortgage that's basically backed by the Federal Housing Administration. And it comes with built in mortgage insurance that Kathy was just talking about. So that PMI, it's built into it just in case, you know, there is that possibility of default. The down payments are actually smaller with these types of loans. You also have your VA loan. This is a loan that's made for veterans of the armed forces and sometimes their spouses in order to buy homes. They actually don't require down payment and they're guaranteed by the Department of Veteran Affairs. So basically when you're ready to try to get a mortgage, you should really go through a mortgage broker And much like an insurance agency, mortgage brokers have access to many types of loans and they can assess your situation and really be able to tell you what loan you qualify for, what loan would be best for you. And then you can sit and you can review, you know, the different rates you're being offered. You can compare it to the time period that you want your loan for, whether it is a 30 year or whether you want to be done in 10 years, you know, whatever your personal situation is, that mortgage broker will be able to be able to pull those options that you qualify for and see what what's best for you. This next thing that I'm going to cover is the thing that got me interested in finances. And that's when I realized that they use a language that is not common for most people. When we bought our very first house, the loan officer was telling us all about the points and points this and points that. And the reality is I had no idea what he was talking about. I I had no idea. I assumed the lower point was better, although that goes against the grain if you want to have more points to win. But I felt like an idiot in the fact that I didn't know. And so that has a lot to do with this education possibilities is just making sure that you guys are aware of what's going on with this kind of language and just explaining the language. What are points? There are two different types of points. One is an origination point and the other is a discount point. They're both 1% of the total amount of the mortgage. So if your loan again is for $300,000, one point would be $3,000 origination points. That is actually what you're paying the loan officer. That's the amount of money that they are earning. It can be negotiated. So origination points can be negotiated because it's the loan officer's benefit. It's what they're getting out of this transaction that you're making with them. The other kind of points are called discount points, and they're what's used to actually buy down your interest rate. So by buying down, again, it means you're trying to get yourself a lower interest rate over the life of the loan. You're prepaying, paying ahead of time on the loan. So if you're paying that $3,000 on that $300,000 loan, you can lower your interest rate by a quarter percent. That would allow you to buy down anywhere from one to three points in most most places. So for example, if you wanted to buy down a whole point, you would pay 12000 additional dollars up front to be able to buy down your interest rate. Only makes sense if you're going to be in that home for a while. Those origination points 
are not tax deductible, that you're paying that. And that that's, again, it's paying someone's salary, essentially. But the discount points as of today in 2020, the first $750,000 of points that you're paying is deductible on your income taxes. So again, the information you get at the end of the year from your mortgage company will have that information. Why would someone even want to buy down though? You're going to get a lower rate, which will lower your overall payments over the 15 or 30 years. The opposite side of that is though, that you need to realize you need to stay in that home for over five to six years to be able to recoup that money back if you're buying down your rate. So you're saving money only if you're going to stay in that place for a long while. There's not just mortgages. There are also refinance loans. The rule of thumb is that if the interest rate drops 2% from what you're paying now, so if you're paying 4%, if it'll drop down to 2%, you should go for it. However, it's not uncommon to say, oh, a 1% drop is also worth it. But again, it will ultimately matters what the value of your home is and how long you're going to stay there. You are actually... You can get the benefit if you decide to shorten your loan to a 15-year loan if you already owe more than 15 years and getting the lesser interest rate. But you're going to pay more each month because of the shorter term of what you're paying. Exactly like the calculators that Norma was talking about, I would hop on a calculator and at least look at what the different scenarios would be for what your monthly payments would be. You might also want to refinance because you want to get out of an arm, just like we were talking before, that adjustable rate mortgage. If you know that adjustable rate is going to be higher than what the current conventional, which is that 15 or 30, it's called a conventional loan. If that's at a lower rate, then you might want to jump onto a conventional instead of using that arm. Your refinance can also allow you to take out money to cover major expenses. For example, the new roof that goes in next week or your child's college fund. But you can take money out of your house if you're refinancing. Now, it's a good idea because your refinance right now might be at two or three percent, which is going to be a substantially lesser rate than if you tried to get a conventional loan to put on a new roof or to finance your child's college. But you are putting your home at risk. If for some reason you can't pay on your mortgage, you lose your house. So that's you have to be very cognizant of the choices you're making if you're refinancing. It's going to extend the life of your loan. You might have already paid down. You're on the 15th year of your loan. If you don't get a 15-year loan and you go back to a 30-year loan, you've just extended your payments for an additional 15 years. The interest, as we said before, is tax deductible on these loans. So even though I'm taking a loan out for the roof, I'm going to be able to deduct that interest that I'm paying on it, where if I just took out a regular loan to put on a new roof, that wouldn't be the case. And that's only true since 2017. But if you have a loan, you can deduct that. The last thing and the scariest thing, but you need to think about it, is that you can refinance your home and take out money against the cost of your home to pay down your debt But if you've already gotten yourself into debt and now you're going to refinance your house, you're going to do all those things I just said. You're going to extend the life of your loan. You're going to probably be taking out more money than you currently owe on your house to be able to pay down that loan. You have to be able to say to yourself that I'm going to be paying this back because if you're going to get back into debt again, then you've just lost equity in your house. You're going to pay those refinancing fees and you're going to have more payments over the life of the loan. And you could get yourself back into debt again. So you have to be very careful if you're using that. There was a great article on the pros and cons on Investopedia about refinancing. And that was from March of 2020, if you want to check out that article. So so again, just to reiterate, there are dangers 
associated with refinancing. And in addition to the ones Kathy just talked about, you have to keep in mind that there will be costs, as she just stated. So there'll be that appraisal cost. There might be points costs. There might be closing costs, depending on the bank that you're going through. So you need to make sure that you do the math and that you figure out if these costs are going to be worth it. That can only be really done unless you know how long you intend to stay in the house. So if you're going to stay in, if it's your forever home, then it might be worth it. If you know you're going to be leaving in four or five years, then you really need to sit and figure out, you know, how much you're really going to be saving by doing this. And if you're only doing it to reduce your monthly payment, you might be kind of shorting yourself, uh, so to speak, by adding on these costs to your mortgage and ultimately be paying more than if you would just stay at your current monthly payment. In doing this refinance, I was presented both an interest rate and an APR, which is the annual percentage rate, which made me say, wait, aren't those the same thing? But they're not. The interest rate could be two and a quarter percent. That's the amount that they're telling you you can borrow this money for. But the reality is you're going to actually be paying the APR, which includes additional fees besides the two and a quarter percent. It's also going to include over the life of your loan, your mortgage insurance, any closing costs that you rolled into it, discount points, which means when you bought down and origination fees, which again is what you've those points that you're paying to the lender. So it might be that you're saying, oh, I got two and a quarter on my interest rate. But the reality is over the course of your loan, in this case, the scenario, you'd really be paying two and 5,300. So it's about a quarter point higher than you might be thinking in your head what your actual interest rate is. There are two different types of refinancing loans that you could take out. One is a HELOC, which stands for Home Equity Line of Credit. And it's a loan where you're actually getting the value of the difference of the value of your house and what you still owe on your mortgage. If your house is worth $300,000 and you still owe $150,000 on your house, conceivably, you could get a loan taken out of your house for $150,000, the difference between those two prices. You wouldn't just take that money out. It operates like a line of credit where all of a sudden you say, hey, I need a new roof. You would be able to just borrow against it without having to apply because you've already applied and have this line of credit open. And then you could just put your new roof on. They would take that money out of what you had agreed to pay as part of your line of credit, and it would be at your interest rate that you had agreed on. So that's one way that you could make major purchases as needed. But remember, every scenario you're doing this, you're putting your home at risk because you have to be able to pay off these payments. It is going to increase your payments if you use the HELOC, but there's lots of people who have just have the HELOC open, waiting, and then if there's some reason they need to take that money out, they can take it. That loan interest rate is part of your house. So you could still be taking that against your taxes when it ha- when you pay your taxes. It is a better rate than just going out and getting a loan for something or for a credit card. So again, you're using your house as collateral. So there's a danger in that, but you're going to be able to get a lower interest rate. The other possibility is getting a home equity loan. And that's where you refinance the house and literally take out a lump sum of money. So your house, what you might owe on your house is $300,000, but you take out $340,000. They will give you a check for the $40,000. And then you can spend that any way you want to. Um, Investopedia also has a great comparison table between a home equity loan and a HELOC. And they talk about the different ways that you would Use that money, the repayment of those loans, interest rates, 
points and closing costs, but really it's a great pros versus cons. So if you're not sure which loan is better for you, they do a good job of defining the differences between them. Thanks for listening to Finances and Mortgages and Refinancing. We know you chose to listen today and we're grateful. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share. It means a lot to us. Please let us know what you think on Facebook or by going to our website at financesand.net. Finances and does not provide tax or legal advice and nothing in this podcast can be construed as such. Always consult a tax, accounting, or legal professional for advice on your specific situation. Remember, we went to school so you don't have to.